0: Pauline by Michael Guerron. Episode 21. Bad Business. During the same period, my business took a turn for the worse. Before starting the company, we partners devised our recruitment strategy. We wanted to lure some of our key people away from our former employers, but we wanted to do it in a way that would annoy our firms as little as possible. Towards that end, each of us approached our key recruits, George Mormon was my lieutenant at my old firm, and he eagerly accepted a job at the new one. The other person I found early on was a very talented guy named Ryan McGrath. Ryan, George, and I started building software that attracted a lot of good business. Within the first 18 months of starting out, we had a team of more than 20 systems people on board, and the company was approaching a 100 full-time staff. George and Ryan worked well together from the start. So well, in fact, that my wife Nancy once had a dream that I told them about. She said that she'd dreamt that George and Ryan had broken away from MNG to start their own business. Mormon and McGrab were unabashedly materialistic. We all thought it funny that in Nancy's dream, they'd name their firm Grabmore. George could be difficult, but I always found that that was a small price to pay for his intelligence, loyalty, and hard work. My partner Amy, however, never felt that way, and her feelings toward him eventually drove him out. He landed on his feet, getting a great job with major stock options at the Oracle Corporation. I told him that I'd always be there for him and wished him all the best. Two weeks later, he recruited Ryan McGrab. Then the two put a plan in place to steal all my best people. They pulled person after person over to Oracle. It was easy pickings as Oracle was a first-class company offering serious stock options, and their stock was flying off the charts. Mormon and McGrab set out to kill my business. I was doing everything I could to keep my head above water, but my clients were getting nervous. Then my project deadlines began to slip. I took up a mantra that summed up all my world. My life is in balance when my family, my clients, and my business partners are all equally disappointed in me. George was angry. He waged all-out war, cherry-picking my people. In the end, I told him to forget I'd ever considered him a friend. He was dead to me. Then I threatened Oracle with a lawsuit if they took another person. At that point, they agreed to cease and desist. Five years later, George and Ryan actually did start their own firm. Here's what I found out about it on the web. Grabmore Technologies, LLC, was founded in 1998 by two former Oracle Corporation employees, George Mormon and Ryan McGrab, Having not only worked at Oracle, but at several other companies specializing in Oracle Consulting, we have developed a strong team of some of the best and brightest oracle talent in the area. Yeah, boy, mine. The last I heard of George was this sad article from July 2005 in the Washington Post. George Robert Mormon, 44, a McLean business owner and computer programmer analyst, died July 24th of a head trauma after a boating accident on the Potomac River near Fredericksburg. He was a McLean resident. Mr. Mormon dove off a boat in shallow water near Fairview Beach and did not resurface. When friends pulled him out of the water, he was unconscious. He was declared dead at the scene. Mr. Mormon ran his own company, Grab More Technologies. Previously worked for a number of technology companies. My note, he was out swimming with Ryan when he died. The loss of my top talent put me into an even more frantic hiring mode than our typical breakneck pace. A typical pace was set by Dave. Here's an example of how he set it. I announced that I'd landed a small new piece of work, two people for six months. He shook his head and corrected me. No, that's four people for three months' work. Better get busy hiring. One guy I brought on was a software project manager by the name of Gary Giordano, who had just left Booz Allen. I consider myself a keen judge of technical competence, and Gary seemed an okay fit but I started noticing that something was weird about the guy. One time, I joined him for a marketing call. To my surprise, he was driving a pretty decent Mercedes. I knew how much he was making, so the car seemed a little over the top. He pulled into a filling station, and the cashier came out to tell him his credit card had been rejected. He asked me to hand him a box under my seat, and when I opened it, I saw it was stuffed with credit cards. When I asked him about him, he smiled and said, if you keep enough of those in play, you'll never get caught. A short time later, he gave me his timesheet to sign, and I noticed that he hadn't taken leave on a day he told me he was off. When I confronted him about it, he winked at me and said, come on, we both know how this game is played. You just built the government for the time. What do they know? We keep this between us. He was a large guy and somewhat intimidating, despite wearing a ludicrous toupee. It seemed he often tried to force me into compromising positions, ethical dilemmas, I knew I was the boss and I had the upper hand, but even so, he made me kind of scared. It wasn't a role I knew, and it made me very uncomfortable. This behavior continued for a few months, and I began to puzzle out how I could get rid of him before things got any worse. As the holidays approached, we scheduled our annual Christmas party, and as usual, it was set up to be a gala affair. We'd rented a large, fancy hotel ballroom at a plush downtown hotel, and many people had also rented rooms. We partied pretty hard before the event had even gotten started. Then I partied a bit more than I should have as the evening got underway. At one point during the evening, as I was speaking to two young women from the firm, Gary approached me. He threw his arm around my shoulder and rubbed his knuckles into my hair. Then he looked at the two women and said, You're talking to my bitch. I stopped his clowning and asked if I could have a private word. We walked into the hall and I said, You're fired. Get out of here right now. Now, I admit I had a well-earned reputation for letting people go, but always before and since that involved the process I called out-counseling. I'd let the person know there seemed to be a misfit between what they were providing and what we were looking for, and I always gave people time to try to work it out. I'd had that conversation at least 40 times, and it always worked out well for all concerned. I felt bad about firing him on the spot, and ashamed it had been while I was drinking, particularly at the Christmas party. My colleagues were, of course, duly shocked, but to a person they all agreed he had it coming, just that it never should have happened at the Christmas party. The story followed me for decades and wove itself into the Morasco newton lore. In fact, ten years into our corporate history, the company unveiled a long banner at a corporate event. The banner listed our major contract wins along with other key corporate accomplishments. There, under December 1994, someone had added, Mike fires Gary at the Christmas party. Gary resurfaced one more time later in my life. In 2011, I saw an article called Aruba Mystery, What Happened to Missing Robin Gardner. Here's a quote. Robin Gardner was supposed to be in Orlando with her parents. At least that's what she told her boyfriend, Richard Forrester. In fact, the 35-year-old beautiful blonde Maryland woman with a radiant smile had traveled to the Caribbean with a man named Gary Giordano, a 50-year-old businessman also from Maryland with a disturbing past. Now Gardner is missing and presumed dead. Giordano is being detained, and questions are mounting about what happened during their island stay. The mysteries only deepened as authorities in Aruba began releasing details from the investigation. The most recent shocker was the discovery of graphic photographs on Giordano's digital camera. The image, a source tells people, are beyond pornographic. The leads have been provocative. Along with the photos, authorities revealed that they're looking into a 1.5 million accidental death insurance policy that Giordano had reportedly taken out on Gardner for their trip. To this day, more than five years after Robin's disappearance, Gary remains a free, followed man. He was denied a payout for the insurance claim due to suspicions that he's responsible for a disappearance, and the US police have arrested him several times on various unrelated charges.